whoa, whoa, whoa. I just had this idea. I want you guys, don't you love our worship team? Don't you love those guys? Wow. Will you do that? Will you do that for me at my funeral? Those of you who outlive me, which probably be maybe like half of you, I'm just kind of guessing at it, but uh, do that for me. I'll probably outlive you, Kevin, so you'll probably have to find somebody. Go ahead and write that down. Don't put it off. We've had, isn't that a cheerful note to start on? Hey, let's talk about Dan's funeral. Whoa, yeah. That's, for some of you, that may be a cheerful thing. That is a kind of a happy thought. Yeah. A thing, um, we've thought about that. And recently, uh, a couple of years ago, we went on a mission trip together. Kathy and I realized we're flying for the first time. And what if something happened to both of us at once? And so we had to go through the thing of, oh, we need to figure this out. We need to think, think through that, you know, what we'll do. Some of you have done that. Some of you put that off. Some of you have lived through, we have lost both of our parents on both sides. And once everything was done in such a beautiful way and we knew what to do and it made the process a little easier, it was, it was a, a difficult thing. Uh, and, and one circumstance, there was absolutely no thought, you know, given to it, and everything was kind of chaotic, and we were having to come up with ideas and the stress of that moment. Hey, let me just get, tell you something. For those of you who are, um, you know, <laughs> how was I going to say that? I don't even know where I was going. How, those of you who are going to die, you know, which... <laughs> <laughs> basically be everybody in the room, okay? We're terminal, and nobody gets out alive. Uh, but, but think through that. Don't procrastinate about that, all right? Because that's one of those things that's easy to put off. You don't want to think about it. You don't want to get up on a Saturday and think, hey, it's, a, it's my day off. It's a pretty day. I think I'll plan out my funeral. <laughs> you know, that's just, maybe you, you don't want to do that. But we've been talking about how to keep the changes that God makes in us long past uh, just that moment of decision. You know those times when you go to a youth camp, when you go to a retreat, when you go to passion, when you go to, uh, maybe it's just an, an, an ordinary Sunday, but God does something really special, and you make a commitment. There's a decision, an affirmation, and you feel changed. You feel changed. But sometimes as we move away from that moment, the change begins to lose some of its vibrancy. You know, the shine gets, you know, and, and we, we begin to, to go back. So what's motivated me to do this series, and I hope it's going to be really practical for you, okay? Uh, it's, it, it's, it's something in me that wants you to be able to, to take what is taught and shared and thought about in this room and live it on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. If not, I feel like I've missed the mark. I don't feel like I've hit the target. If this stays in just the realm of theology and just stays in with, you know, the, oh, that was a great, that was a good message, and I feel really, and let's go eat lunch, and, and then it's not ever used again. So that's what my hope is and what drives this. That's, that's the, uh, the engine for this series is this. All the changes that have happened to you, particularly for some of you this summer, Let's keep those changes. And how do we do that? Well, today I'm going to take that in, in a very specific direction. Have you ever heard somebody say, um, well, we've got to do something? I mean, even if it's wrong, let's just do something. 
you know, because you get tired. Of, you know, you, you, we've all felt like that at times. The times when you just think, we got we, we to gotta get this moving forward. So we're we going to do something. Is it the right thing to do? I don't know. Let's just do something, you know. And maybe you felt that kind of frustration before. And it's because of this. Inactivity and indecision are the biggest obstacles and the greatest enemies of success. And there's a word that applies to what I'm talking about. And you know this word. It's big, it's ugly, and it's more powerful than most of us would like to admit. And the word is procrastination. That's something that we've all done at one time or another. Um, Most of us probably been guilty of that this week or maybe even in the last 24 hours. (laughs) There's nothing like coming back to school, you know, and you're kind of excited about it. And you get your new notebooks and your pencils and your new North Face backpack and, you know, and you're walking up the hill and you're thinking, I'm a sophomore now, you know, and, and you're just, or you come back from vacation and you know how that is, right? And your desk is piled up and you think, where did this come from? And people have been slipping in and they just keep putting things there or your box is completely full and you go, oh, man. And you, you look through things and you know that, that rule of just touch it once, that's when you break the rule is right after vacation because you come back and you look at that and go, I don't want to deal with that right now. I don't want to do that. And so you put that away and you look at the next one. And, and the stack maybe goes down an inch or two, but basically you've still got a lot of stuff there. And it's so easy to put things off until later. Stuff that needs to be done, should be done today or right now. I'm, I'm the king. There are many reasons why people procrastinate. Uh, but almost all of those can be brought down to this, this, this idea. We procrastinate to postpone what we perceive as pain. You will procrastinate on a job project to put off the pain of work. I don't want to do that. I just don't want to work. You procrastinate going on a diet to put off the pain of going hungry. I'm really good at going on diets right after lunch. And I do. Every, I've gone on one every day this week. I, that's it. That was really good. And then you drive past that little Mexican place down the street, and you think, tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm serious. I mean it. I'm, I'm all over that. We procrastinate dealing with a relationship problem because none of us like, well, some of you do, but most of us don't like confrontation you know and you just think oh, I don't want to call my sister I don't want to call my mom I don't want to oh, I know where that's going to go and I just it's I think I'll do it later I think I'll do it later sometimes we procrastinate trying to succeed uh, it's just because we think there's this potential of failure and if I launch into this and it doesn't work and Maybe some people around me know about that. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna wait till do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait till next week. I'm gonna wait till next month to do that. Here's the thing about procrastination though, the problem with it is that it never makes your life better. It never makes your life better. The only time I can ever think of is when I don't deal with mail that's real fringy kind of mail. 
and you get it and you think, mm, what should I do with this? And should I? And should I not? And if you just leave it sitting on your desk long enough, it becomes irrelevant. And you think, well, that was two weeks ago. And you just toss it. Otherwise, I can't think of another time that it really helps you at all. Uh, procrastination, I would say, almost always, always makes it worse. Makes it worse. Projects never become easier because you put them off. You know, it's the night before the papers due. Oh, I'm so glad I waited because this is because I love caffeine and what it does to me and how it makes me feel. And and so I'm going to pull an all-nighter. This was smart. <laughs> All my friends wasted their time, you know, doing this. No, no. Everything becomes more difficult. And everybody struggles with procrastination. But if you will declare it, you know, a war, if you will go to war with this bad habit, and really, here's the thing, here's where I am with this, and you think, what an unusual thing. I don't think I've ever heard anybody get up and do a message on procrastination. The thing... I'm realizing is that it's not just a bad habit. To be honest, it's a sin. And if you will declare war on this sin, I can make you some promises. I can make you some promises. First of all, if you're serious about overcoming procrastination, and you see this as not just, well, Dan, that's a separate thing. That's, some, that's just my daily life. It's not a spiritual thing. No, it's, it's a spiritual thing. Everything about you is a spiritual thing. And if you see it like that, and, and you engage God's help in this process, you will win this battle. God's going to give you victory. The Bible says, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. You think, well, well what a great verse. What does that mean? <laughs> well, in other words, everybody faces temptation. Even Jesus faced temptation. But the Bible says God's so faithful, he's not going to let you be tempted beyond that that you can hold up under, that you can bear. In other words, the pull of procrastination, as big and as ugly and as powerful as it is, is not as big as the grace of God. God is bigger in you than that is. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this, But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So you can stand up. You can endure. You can endure that uh, with his strength. Now, I know Paul's not talking specifically about procrastination, but I think that's what was in his mind. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But uh, it wasn't about that when he wrote Romans 7, but his words really do apply. Listen to this and just overlay procrastination on it and see if this doesn't fit. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, it says, I don't really understand myself. I don't don't get it. For what I want to do uh, is the right thing. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I don't do that. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but then I don't. We've, we've all felt, does that sound like you? Does that sound like, and that's the way I feel when I procrastinate. That's the emotion that it invokes. That's, what, that's where it really happens. Paul goes on to say, who 
uh, in verse 24, who will set me free from this life that's just dominated by sin and by death? Then he just stops and says, oh, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. A few verses later, uh, Paul says this in chapter 8, verse 37. He says, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You're not just going to, you know, kind of say, I, I won. I won a little bit. You know, we, bear, you know, we went to the Smokies game Friday night, and in the last part of the last inning, we hit a run, ended up winning the game. I had, almost, I had given up. I was staying for the fireworks, you know, but emotionally, you know, I said, Dad, I just don't think, we, I just don't think we're going to do it. Bats came alive, and we won. Just barely win, and some of us think the Christian experience is like that. Well, last night, the Braves played the Phillies. Anybody, I don't know if you saw that. They were, What a win. I'm thinking, boy, if we could just win one against the Phillies, how cool would that be? Nine to one. <laughs> that's the kind of victory. Titans lost. That's the kind of... Let's <laughs> give you a little sports update. you mind if I pull my phone out and just kind of go, you know, buzz through all the scores for you? That's, what, that's how God wants you to win. He didn't want you to just go to bed every night going, wow, I got through this day. Thank you, Jesus. We made it through another one. Now, he wants you to be victorious. He wants, he wants you to know. He wants you to know that. Um, and to have that kind of, you know, that victory over procrastination comes such a peace of mind. You know the crazy thing about us, just about humans? M- many of the things that we worry about are things we can do something about. Sometimes we worry about something that's totally out of our control. I've been there, done that, and that's even more insane. But a lot of the things that we worry about um, would go away if we just did something about it. But we get caught in this cycle of inactivity. And inactivity leads to worry, and then worry leads to anxiety, and then that leads to more inactivity. And it, and it just starts being this loop, you know? You just kind of get caught on that. If you can break that cycle, by God's power, you can. You can break that. You're going to experience a peace of mind uh, that just comes from being on top of things. That It's going to be a beautiful thing. You're going to, you're going to love that. Solomon said in Proverbs 10, verse 4, Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. And, yeah, he really did say that, lazy, laziness. And since I'm a charter member and uh, speak every year at the convention for the Procrastinators Club, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to you know, to tell you that this is, this is the deal. Um, procrastination and laziness are really closely linked. That's not easy to admit, and it may be hard for you to think about that, but a lot of times when I procrastinate, I'm just being lazy. You know, I can, I can throw my reasons out there, and it's just, I don't want to do it, you know? And that's a bitter kind of truth. But Solomon says, when you're lazy, you're going to end up poor. And when you work hard, you're going to end up rich. Now, now please understand, uh, I don't think he's talking about just, you know, the difference between poverty and wealth and, you know, economically. He's not just talking about your banking account. He's talking about the quality of your life. I mean, I know, check it out, I know a lot of people who make a pretty good living, but their lives are real erratic and 
chaotic and stressful because their schedule's always defined by getting things done at the last possible moment. You know, those people, and you're going to be, oh we, got, oh, we forgot about this, and oh, we're going to be late, and, and just always. And I also know people who always seem to be right on the edge of success. You know, just right on the precipice. But, but it's procrastination that holds them back. Solomon would just come out and call it laziness. He's oh, you're just being lazy. And it keeps people, it keeps you, it keeps me from achieving the success that you know you're capable of achieving. And it keeps you from experiencing peace of mind instead of always fretting about things and, oh, i got to do this. And, and it keeps us from enjoying the satisfaction of just, a, you know, that was a job well done. I got that done. When you beat procrastination, you're going to be able just to kiss that kind of stress goodbye. You're not going to have to worry about that anymore. Now, here's some things I'm learning, okay, about procrastination. I'm going to be real careful. It's tough being up in front of everybody and saying, yeah, I used to be like you, but now, you know, the guy in the commercial, the before and the after picture, you're the before, I'm the after. <laughs> it's not exactly like that. I'm still, I'm a work in progress with you, but here's what I'm learning about it. A procrastinator never enjoys a day off. You never enjoy it because you always feel like I should be doing something. I should be doing something. That's because procrastinators are always behind schedule. They're always running late. You know, you're behind. Um, and whether you procrastinate because you're behind or whether you're behind because you procrastinate, I don't, I don't really know, and that's beside the point. The, the, it's, they're both true. They're both true. When you overcome it, you'll begin to experience um, a whole brand-new, wonderful quality of life. Another thing I can promise you is that you will experience a sense of control. You're going to have this, this feeling of, okay, I can submit to the Lord. He is in control of my life, not my schedule, not my days, not the people around me. And I'm just kind of always having that kind of feeling. But God is free to speak truth into my life, and I'm free to obey Him and just to follow His will. And that's a beautiful thing. You know what it's like to be driven by circumstances, right? to be just bumped along all day by your to-do list. You know what it's like to have your schedule controlled by this tyranny of all the things you didn't get done. I have two to-do lists. I have one in my phone, and it automatically goes forward. You know, it's, it tells you, hey, you didn't do this yesterday, but the color changes from blue to red. It's like my phone was saying, yesterday this was like a blue thing. And blue is so nice. <laughs> the next day, it's like, now it's red. Now it's red. You didn't get it done. You know, and I feel, why is there a tennis ball on the floor in front of me? I'm sorry. I don't, excuse me. That's, I just get distracted. Oh, look, shiny. Yeah. Oh, look, a tennis ball. <laughs> this is probably Joe's challenge to me. Um, oh, and I just killed a lady on the back row. <laughs> Somebody get a, like a, one of those, we got those paddle things in the workroom. Um, I'll never go back to that church. They just, I'm just not comfortable. They throw things and, I don't know. I should have put that off. I shouldn't have done that right now. I should have put that off. Or you should have caught it. That's Okay. That's why I'm not scared if Joe and I were to end up in the tennis tournament together. Pfft, piece of cake, you know. I mean, oh, oh, that's out there now. Um, you know what it's like to get, didn't get something done? 
Now, my other to-do list, I write it down. I'm still like an old-school Franklin Planner guy. There's just not a better thing like that. So what I do is I, I flip back a couple of days, and I look at my to-do list, and I realize, oh, the little X's and O's and arrows. Oh, those arrows. So I rewrite them on the next page. There are some things <laughs> I've rewritten, you know, for months. I think, I'm still writing this one back in, you know. Why? Who am I kidding? And there's that stress of seeing that uh, come up. And then you're scrambling on the due date. Right? You're, 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 oh, this is, oh, I gotta make that deposit. I gotta get there before the check bounces. Or I gotta pay that bill. They're gonna cut the electricity off. Or I gotta find some clothes that'll fit because I've put off getting into shape. And I'm wearing the same three things over and over and over. Um, you know, some of you not here to look at Amen. Hey, yeah, I'm there. It's a terrible state to be in. And I want you to know that it's a state that you don't have to live in, you don't have to be there. It's possible you to wake up in the morning feeling like, hey, I'm in control of my life again. In fact, the Bible tells us that's how it should be. Here's what Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. This is a funny analogy uh, that, he, that he, he digs up. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> he just throws it into his little name calling. Go to the ant loser, <laughs> which is Old Testament way of saying sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, no manager, no professor. No, you know, it doesn't have anybody looking over its shoulder, yet it stores up its provisions in summer and gathers its food at the harvest. Ant take care of, takes care of its business. It does what it needs to do. Solomon's saying that the, even the ant is in charge of his own life because he takes the actions that are necessary to get things done. And when you overcome procrastination, you can experience that same kind of control. <laughs> I don't know how, where that work, how that works for you. I can wake up and be an ant. Yeah, tomorrow. That, maybe that makes, you know, that makes you feel good. But that's the, the picture that Solomon used. Now, a few minutes ago, I stated that there was this general cause for procrastination. I said, we procrastinate to postpone what we perceive is going to be pain. Uh, and it'll help you to overcome procrastination if you explore that reason on a real personal level a little further. A former boss I used to have said, a problem well-defined is half-solved. It will behoove you to give a little extra thought to specific reasons. Why am I putting this off? Why do I not want to do that? And if you can identify what is it that's influencing this habit of inactivity, this habit you have of putting things off, then you can fight it and win. So here are a few. I'm just going to throw out, and this may not hit you, but I think it will a lot of us. This is some of the common causes, I think, uh, for it. One is this, and uh, unfortunately, probably the most common Cause is just laziness. Just people just lazy. This is hard to confess. I, I would rather admit to just about anything in the world than to being lazy. But sometimes I procrastinate simply because I just don't feel like doing it. I have three projects in front of me right now. Um, and I was preparing for this message and I'm thinking about this and I was like, Lord... I don't know if I'm ever going to feel like a bigger hypocrite than if I get up uh, in front of a lot of people and say, 
you ought to stop doing this and you ought to do this. And, you know, if I've got these things hanging over my head and, and I keep putting them off. And I thought, Lord, and I prayed about this. I said, Lord, I'm giving you these three projects. And, and in obedience to you, I'm going to begin to map out a plan. I'm going to begin to hammer out, um, you know, my strategy to get these things done. And there was this release. There was this, this thing. And, and that's why I said earlier, I believe it's not just a practical thing. It's not just a procedural thing. This is a spiritual event. I mean, I, I feel a spiritual freedom from a bondage I feel like the enemy puts us under sometimes. Now, I don't want to do these things. And the reason I've put all three of these off, I think it's just because I just flat out, I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. Another cause of procrastination is just a lack of knowledge or skill. There's one thing I've got to do. I'm, not, I'm really not sure how to do it. And so it's just real easy for me to go, I'll do it some other time. Sometimes we just put it off simply because I don't know what, need, I don't know what needs to be done or how to, be, how, to, how to do that. Another cause is perfectionism. We say, you know, I want this job to be done well. I want to do it perfectly. And I'm, I'm just not feeling real perfect today. So... I'll give it another shot tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I can, I can do it perfectly. I'll feel better then. You know what I'm, I'm, I'm figuring out? That never works. That never works. Uh, and, and this one just hammers me, you know, uh, again and again. Uh, I can remember when I worked for an ad agency and I had a T-shirt design and I wanted it to be perfect. You know, I just thought, oh, and I just worked on that and worked on that and worked on that. And they'd come back and go, yeah, that looks good. And I go, no, 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 wait. I think it needs to be a different shade of color. It needs to be this or that. And it just kept, and finally, you're right up on the deadline. They're like, hey, we're sorry, man. We know it's not like you, exactly like you want it, but we got to have it. I feel that pressure every week. I'm usually embarrassed by some of the things I've said or, you know, and, and this is hard for me to get up and I'm talking and then later I think, oh, why did I say that? That was, to, oh, oh, I meant to say this and I, I left it out or, or it didn't come out right or whatever. You know, I, I wish I could do this perfectly, but I'm so well aware of how flawed uh, that this process of communication called preaching really is, especially for me. Even my voice, I listen to my voice sometimes, and I think, yee-haw, you know, and I sound, I'm, I'm not making fun of severe people or anything, so, you know, I, I don't want to get a little, little thing started, but I sound like the biggest hick, you know, I'm like, hey, y'all, hey, good morning out there, it's me, Dan, whoo, you know, and I know that some of you are thinking, I can't listen to this guy anymore, his voice is just so annoying, it's my, you know, it's what I got. Sometimes I try to talk like Adrian Rogers, and I think, man, that sounds pretty cool, but you know. It's, then I step down and go, hey, you want to go get some lunch? And they go, what? Where did Adrian go? You know? I, and you've heard preachers do that, right? But it's hard. You know, it's a hard thing. I had an opportunity once. I love to drop this name because he's one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, and I brag about this. Even though it was several years ago, I got to have breakfast one day with, with Zig Ziglar. And I said, man, you get up, and I just, I'm so motivated, and what you say is so cool. And he said, I can't imitate him from Dallas, but he said, well, it ought to be, I've done it a thousand times. I said, a thousand? He said, yes, I've done that same presentation you just heard a thousand times. He said, if it's not perfect by now, <laughs> you know. I have. I asked my assistant, I said, how many messages do I have? And she said, 800 and something. 
different messages that you've done. I thought, well, no wonder they're not perfect, you know? Because I'm just, you just go boom, 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 and you're throwing them out. And I've decided I'm going to start over. Next Sunday, I'm going to go back and do the first. I'm just going to buzz through them again. And if you need me during the week, I don't know where I'll be. I'll just, no, I'm kidding. But, um, but I, I realized today, you know, it, it, Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. And it's not going to be perfect. And God's starting to free me up a little bit and going, hey, you know what? I don't expect perfection, but I do expect truthfulness and honesty and integrity and accuracy. And I expect your heart to be in it and for you not just to think, well, today's job is get up and talk, so get up and blah, blah, you know. No, it better have some content and it better have something in it. And whatever it is like that in your life, you need to think that through. And I'm not saying don't do a good job. Just don't, don't turn in a C paper when you could have made an A. You know, don't make a B on the exam when you could have done better. But I am saying you got to get your stuff done, you know, and not put it off because it's not going to be perfect. Another cause of procrastination is just this, this fear of frustration. You know, we know the job's going to be difficult. You know how easily it's going to overwhelm you. You think, ah, oh, here we go, I don't know. So you just put it off. You know, you just, you just put it off. Another cause is rebellion. Parents sometimes see this in their teenagers. They'll wait until the very last minute to take out the trash, until it's just overflowing, or to get ready for school. Am I, am I hitting home yet? Or mowing the yard? Or, you know, in an effort just to say, you know, I can't be pushed around, or I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it my way and in my time. Spouses see that in each other, right? You're thinking, well, not so much as my kids, but, boy, that's my husband. Yeah, that's him. Employees see that with employees, employers, I mean, with employees. It's an attitude that says, I'm going to do what I have to do, but I'm going to irritate you as much as possible <laughs> in the process of that. You know, your boss comes in, he gives you a project, and you do it, but, you, but you, you, I'm going to do it on my terms. I'm going to do what he says, but I'm going to do it on my terms. That's a subtle form of rebellion. When you procrastinate, it's good to be able to identify what is my attitude that's causing the problem? Why am I putting this off? And I'm no stranger to any of these. Been there on all of these. It's good to know why am I putting this off. Now, real quickly, and, and, and I mean that. Uh, we'll just, you know, ministers always say, real quickly, and you think, liar. <laughs> okay, let me give you five tips with dealing with procrastination. Let's make this real. Let's make this a, a real practical thing. Because James said this in James chapter 1, verse 22. This is a key verse for this whole message. Uh, everything kind of revolves and hinges on, on this. Do not merely listen to the word and then deceive yourselves. Trick yourself. You know, I'm just going to trick myself into thinking everything's okay. And then, and then James says this, and you can just circle this word. Do what it says. Don't just listen to this message and think, yeah, he's right. I need to do that, but I'm not. Do it. King James says, be doers of the word. Be doers of the word. And that's what we aspire to be. That's what we're talking about. It's the opposite of procrastination. Taking action. Taking action. It's doing what we should be doing. When you take care of your body, you're a doer of the word. When you give yourself wholeheartedly to your job, you're a doer of the word. When you take care of your finances, you're a doer of the word. When you take care of your house, when you meet your responsibilities, you're a doer of the word. Now, a person who just listens to the word, that's a procrastinator. 
And this kind of person knows the right thing to do. They know the truth. They know how to solve a problem. They know what needs to be done. None of that's really the issue. They just kid themselves into thinking, well, I don't really need to do it today. I don't need to do it this week or right now. James says, don't be that kind of person. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't be a doer of the word. Do this. So here's, here's five ideas that'll help you get off your seat and on your feet um, and, and do what needs to be done. One, remember this, and this one's huge for me. Feelings follow actions. Always. In fact, I believe in this one so strongly, I'm going to get you to repeat it with me, okay? And I know you feel cheesy when you have to do that, but I want to to make sure it's in your soul. Feelings follow actions. Would you say that with me? Feelings follow actions. See, most of us wait around until we feel like it, and then we act. I don't feel like it today. And so we get drug along by our emotions and by our feelings, and we're just... You know, don't wait until you feel like doing something to do it because you're never going to feel like it. I don't feel like cleaning out my garage, ever. I never wake up and go, you know what I feel like doing today? Cleaning out the garage. That feels good. It never works for me. And it won't work for you. You will always be one of those people that is jerked around by your emotions and, you know, and, and try to follow that. Here's the principle. It's easier to act your way to better feelings than it is to feel your way to better actions. You know, don't get it flipped. Don't say, when I, when I feel good, I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Instead, to say, you know what, I'm just going to do it right now. I'm going to do it, and I know, and I trust, I'm going to feel good afterwards. I'm going to feel good. Inactivity will never improve your life. It will never improve your feelings. But taking action can do both of those. Here's the second idea. Reevaluate every procrastination-provoking uh, thought, an event that comes through your head. In the book of 1 Samuel, there's this great little story about a giant named Goliath. Uh, and he challenged the Israelite army in battle. And every day he would come out and stand on the battlefield. And this guy's huge. Uh, he's menacing. He's, you know, he's, he's the terminator of this century. And within shouting distance of the army's camp, he yells this out. And this is what he said in 1 Samuel 17, 10. This day I defy, you know, that's a movie kind of voice, the ranks of Israel. He said, give me a man. Let us fight each other. And everybody's looking around. Dude, you can, no, I'm not, you know, my leg hurts. Well, yeah, I've got a headache. And, you know, nobody wanted to do this. And the, the Israeli army responded by doing just what we do nothing. They were, the Bible says, dismayed and terrified. You think? They didn't think, they didn't believe, we can't defeat Goliath in battle. So they would cower in fear, and they just kept putting off the inevitable. Well, maybe tomorrow he'll go away. <laughs> maybe tomorrow he'll, he'll stand up and go, Israel, I'm sorry, guys, I don't know what was getting, I'm, let's get a pizza, let's, you know, I, I feel badly about my behavior. No, they knew Goliath, you know, but they just kept putting it off every, every day. So then, along comes this teenage shepherd boy, you know, and he saw what was happening, except he saw it with the right perspective. 
He didn't see an enemy that was too big to defeat. He saw a target too big to miss. He evaluated the situation in terms of God's power, in terms of God's presence in his life. And this is what he said. When I'm watching my sheep and a lion or bear comes along, I go after the wild animal and I kill it. This so-called giant is no different. He has no right to defy the army of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the lion and from the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. And you know what happened next. David took his slingshot, a handful of stones, he walked out onto the battlefield, and he put Goliath out of his misery. The army was procrastinating. And they were stuck. Because they saw the problem as bigger than themselves, and even bigger than their God. David comes out, he looks, he evaluates the situation, he says... This isn't any different than what I've seen God do already in my life. He's already done this in the past. He can do it again. And a lot of times when you see a project that's bigger than your life, you know, you're going to try to put it off. If you can evaluate the situation in the light of God's truth and see it for what it is, you'll be able to face it. You learn to say, this is just a monthly report. I can do this. I've done these. I can do this. This is just a 20-minute walk. That's not such a big deal. I, I, can, I can do that. This is just one chapter of the Bible. I can read one chapter. I, I, can, I can do that. And just constantly, on and on, reevaluate, wait, <laughs> reshape, resize whatever it is that's tempting you to procrastinate. This is just my garage. I can clean this out. Here's another idea. Divide it by five. I have found that, it, and I usually do this, divide projects into sections, you know, like five easy pieces. Um, you know, I'm not motivated to, to do something. You know, when that garage door comes up, and you stand back and look at it and think, whew, so you just hit the button and let it come back down, you know. You walk into your closet and go, ah, so you go back on the bed and watch TV. You know, if you can break it down, you'll make some progress. Any project... Uh, that I've got going, I can tell you where I stand. I'm 20% of the way, I'm 60% of the way. Instead of doing your whole bedroom, do a drawer. Today I'm going to clean that one drawer out. You're going to get a buzz from that. You see, break it down, break it down. And they're not always equal, they're not always five, but the sections will take, you know, it, you, you'll, you'll knock it out. And that'll keep you motivated. Here's another idea. Tough it out for 10 minutes. I know this is a little trick, but it works. A, a former boss taught me this. He said when he, he's tempted to procrastinate on any project, like preparing for a sermon or preparing for a meeting, you know, devoting time to something, he said, I just make a 10-minute commitment. He said, I'm going to do this for 10 minutes and then see how it goes. I'm going to see how I feel in 10 minutes. And if I don't have the energy, if I just don't, I'll just stop. He said, I can give it 10 minutes. And the funny thing is, he said that most of the time, after 10 minutes, he said, I've kind of developed some inertia. I've got some momentum, and, and I've established this rhythm, and I've discovered that continuing is so much easier than beginning. When he had a half dozen tasks, he said, I'm going to commit to the first one, and I'll say, if I'm just really drained after that, I'll take a break, but at least I got that one thing done. At least I got something done. And this 10-minute commitment works because of the first principle. Feelings follow actions. You start, feel, you start walking and you think, this isn't so bad. I'll just, keep, I'll just keep going. 
And it may be sheer determination that gets you started, but then something good's going to happen. That's how I began my quiet times years and years ago, just spending time with the Lord. It was just determination. It was just, God, I want to know you better, and I don't see any shortcut. I don't see any other way than to carve out some time in my life and to sit down and, and just to be alone with you. And something beautiful began to happen out of that. Take the first couple of steps. Invest in those first few minutes, and you're nearly always going to discover these inner resources uh, that you have that are necessary to continue. So, and then, then if you get to the place and you're just overwhelmed and you start panicking or you're depressed or frustrated or just too fearful or tired, you can give yourself permission. I'm going to back off a little. I'm going to stop and, and seek the Lord's strength. Seek God's strength. I'm going to evaluate the situation and reevaluate that. Then I'm going to prepare myself and I'm going to attack again and again. You'll get victory. You'll get victory. One other thing is this. Consider who you're serving. Paul said in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord rather than just for men. There is a sense in that every job we do, we do it as an offering to the Lord. You know, we say, God, I'm going to do this monthly report. I'm going to give this sales presentation. I'm going to work out this lesson plan, this eight-hour shift I've got. You know, but I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it for you. It's not going to come close to the perfection that you deserve, and it may not even be the best that I'm actually capable of doing, but today I'm going to give it my all, and I'm going to do it for you, Lord. That's a great attitude. It just you know, it's helpful to remember that you're not just serving God, but you're serving other people. Galatians 5.13 says, Serve one another in love. And everything you do benefits somebody in some way, with one exception, and that's sin. Sin never benefits anybody. But every good thing that you do, somebody is going to benefit in some way. So when you're tempted to put things off that you know you should be doing, remember who's going to be hurt by that absence. All right, here's what we're going to do. Now, this series is called Keep the Change. Uh, and it contains, it's more than just about new lessons and turning over a new leaf. It's about living a new life. It's like living a different life than the old one, and one that stays that way, that stays new and stays changed. So, for everybody in this room, we're now former procrastinators, okay? And here's what I want you to go home with. Action creates change. And all it takes is that first step in the right direction to get started. So, what we're going to do in this last couple of minutes is this. I want you to think of one task, one project or area the Holy Spirit is challenging you about today. You know, during this message, you may have felt a little you know, a nudge from the Holy Spirit about something specific. I want you to decide right now, this is the action that I need to take. All right, now answer these questions. And if you've got one of these handouts, you can do that and just take it home with you, okay? Leave this here with us on your way out the door and, uh, and just write in here. This is, Lord, this is going to be my first step. And this is when I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to do it. And this is, this is what I'm going to need. This is what I'm going to need. Go ahead and figure that out and then take this home. And make this a spiritual commitment to, to you. To Lord, oh, to you, Lord.